This podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends at Channel Factory, who ensure that your advertising appears in the most brand safe and brand suitable environments across all of your YouTube campaigns. Hello and welcome to the Blooming North podcast. I'm Rachel, Vice President of Bloom North. Each month we'll be inspiring you, empowering you and guiding you towards a more fulfilling life, both personally and professionally. Today's episode is about embracing your brilliance and unleashing the power of self-promotion. I'm joined today by two wonderful guests. We have Lisa Hughes making her second appearance on the Blooming North podcast. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Lisa is an accredited coach with extensive experience in management and leadership development, helping clients on the brink of brilliance achieve their goals. We've also got Steph Sword-Williams with us, founder, public speaker and author of Fuck Being Humble. She's also a presenter, host, entrepreneur, community builder and content creator. Hello, ladies. Lovely to have you both here. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Steph, am I right in saying that you delivered a TEDx talk as well on why the world needs to be less humble and you were also named as Forbes 30 under 30 in Europe? Yes, both of those things are true. Lovely. Well, we're in for an exciting ride, so buckle in. How are you both? Are you both good today? Yeah, really good. Yeah, really good. I'm just coming back from a series of travelling, so I'm sort of a little bit tired, but I'm excited to have this chat. Amazing. Well, it's an exciting topic and lots to unpack. So I thought a really good starting point, obviously we've done a brief introduction, brief bio there, but maybe just to give a little bit of background on yourselves and what you do and why you believe in the importance of levelling up women. Uh, so I'm first and foremost a mindset coach. Uh, so I'm all about rewiring how people think um, in order to help them let go of some limitations and create empowering new ones that allow them to achieve all of their goals and hopes and dreams. Uh, I also offer management and leadership development. I do that for various companies across the UK and also things like power skill workshops and things like development days in various businesses. I think for me, powering up or levelling up women massively important we are doing this in a world that's not been created for us um i think meryl streep was literally said it the other day didn't she on her talk where she said uh, men don't know women's language women learn the men's language a long time ago but we're still in very much a world that's not built or set up for women being at the top or being empowered so i think it's a really important conversation to keep on having absolutely and steph a bit about you yeah, so I actually worked for seven years in advertising across a range of different projects and campaigns. And whilst I loved working in things like TV adverts and creating amazing campaigns, I often felt like I could be and should be doing more. And I really loved the idea of building a community, a space to support people. And for me personally, to create something that I had full creative control on and could be a bit more provocative and say something a bit more meaningful. So in 2018, I set up Fuck Being Humble with the main goal to help people be unapologetically proud of their achievements and get over the fear of self-promotion. And the reason I started it for myself was because so many of my friends would come to me and I was like the tough love career agony and I'd give them tips on interviews and how to present your portfolio or how to make a good impression when you start a new company and I realized that if my friends needed this support there was probably a space where other people particularly in the creative industries needed advice that they could really relate to and I think so much of the careers industry is 
is filled with quite cheesy slogans or things that don't necessarily connect or advance people. So yeah, for me, it was a lot about how do we try and create a space for people to learn and grow, but also to feel a sense of pride in the work that they do. And naturally the message for being humble immediately resonates with women because we are told so regularly that we need to be humble or that we're expected to be humble. And actually I kind of feel like that's only one part of the puzzle and I really want to help women in particular, but everybody is invited to the Foot Being Humble message just to help them see their own worth and and learn how to communicate it in a way that helps them reach the results they want to reach. I love that. And and I love the concept of it. How has that landed with people? Like, I know you said you launched the book a few years ago. Like, where are you up to with it? And and how is it being received? So when I first told people I was going to launch business called Fuck Being Humble, I quite literally had an army of people getting in the way to say, don't do this. It, even some of my closest friends were like, it's it's fun, but you're going to alienate loads of people. And I remember saying to myself, well, they're not my kind of people then, and they're not the people that need the message. And I remember going to networking events where I'd speak to particularly older men, to be fair, in pretty crappy suits. So I shouldn't have listened to them anyway. But they were very, oh, just immediately dismissive. Like, I can't possibly even listen to any further of this because, like, I absolutely believe that being humble is the right way to be. So I, I definitely was met with that quite a lot at the start of the journey. And even I, I'll admit it now, but I even I would silence myself a little bit or say my brand more quietly than I would if I was in a room full of women. But actually, it was really interesting to see the pivot. There was a really good momentum building just before the pandemic. Then during the pandemic, I was like the go to global support on all things self promotion, which is when I think the world realized how important it was. And So it really did transform into being this thing that people were a bit scared of to everybody being so desperate and in need of a message like this because we we don't have the privilege of being comfortable and not needing to self-promote. There's so much more noise and there's, you know, jobs, uh, less job security. There's a lot of layoffs happening. So it's been really interesting to see the pivot in the response to people um, hearing the message. But I think... Most interestingly, I think it's been great to see the response from businesses and brands as well, because I think, again, at the start of launching the mission, businesses were a bit scared of the swear word. And, and, you know, in many businesses, their company values are to be humble. But I think having grown my reputation and demonstrated the the positive results that Fuck Being Humble is having on an employee mindset is actually been so amazing to see the wider response become more positive. And I actually just was in New York taking Fuck Being Humble out there for the first time. And I had an absolutely glowing response. They loved it. The first thing they asked me after I said the words Fuck Being Humble is where can I get the swag? So they wanted... (laughs) (laughs) You can have a whole new merch range. They wanted hoodies. They wanted t-shirts. They were like, where can we buy stuff? And I was like, oh my God, why didn't I come to New York sooner? Like... I was really nervous going because I was worried that maybe what I was saying was less disruptive in American culture because they are so much more well-versed and they recognize the need for self-promotion. But I guess the underlying thing is about empowering people and making them feel more confident. And actually confidence is always going to be something that people need. I think the learning from being in the States was actually just that it didn't take as long 
to convince people as to why fuck being humble was a great statement. They were just sort of like, what more can we buy of yours next? So <laughs> it was an e- easier place to sell is, is what I'd say on that. But yeah, overall, it's it's been going great and it's going from strength to strength. I can imagine that would really resonate in the States. And actually, you've just got your next layer of your business in the pipeline now. It's, it's the merch. <laughs> That's super exciting. But um, you spoke a little bit there about, for some people, it's really out of your comfort zone to self-promote and to shout about your successes. And I think particularly in our culture, it is something that a lot of people struggle with. They don't want to look like they're being brash or bold or arrogant. So what would your, we'll start with you, Steph. What would your best advice be for where to start with self-promotion for those that, that feel that way and they're struggling with it? Oh gosh, this I, I can never boil this down into one tip. So I'm going to give about five here. So first and foremost, link your self-promotion to your personal or professional goals. Because when you worry, when you think about self-promoting, most likely you're worried about what other people are going to think. So I coined this phrase, FOSS, the fear of sounding stupid, which is what I think holds so many of us back when it comes to promoting ourselves in our careers. And then the worry of sounding stupid actually stops us from making career moves. And so what I encourage people to think about before you even start self-promoting is like, why are you doing this? What do you want to gain from this? What are the overall goals? What's the results you want to see? And make sure you connect what you're doing with your self-promotion back to those objectives. Because if you are only basing it on getting a few likes here or there, or hoping that somebody spots you on LinkedIn, that's not necessarily going to help you keep going. If, for example, people don't engage with your content or someone does take the piss out of you, it's kind of like you've got to be ready to be like, I'm doing this for a reason. So always link your self-promotion to your personal and professional goals so that you have a clear vision on what you're trying to achieve. And then I also think when it comes to self-promotion, it's so important to find the version that works for you. So if you don't like producing video content, don't do it. Self-promotion is about promoting yourself. If you're not going to do it in the best format or the way the way that's going to promote you and your skills in an appealing way, then just don't put yourself through the pain. Find the channels and the mediums and the formats that feel most relatable, most authentic to you. And sometimes that might just be in written format. So making sure that you document your successes and then you give your boss, um, you know, an update at the end of the week. Or it might be that you would like to produce a podcast like we're doing today and you prefer to voice your um, thoughts and promote yourself in that way. But, you know, you're not showing yourself on a video screen. Or it might be that you like to network and actually it's not about documenting the experience and it going public and online. Actually, you, you prefer to self-promote in networking meet scenarios or environments. So figure out the spaces that you feel most comfortable to share yourself in and the mediums that you feel most authentic to you because it will show if you don't and take your time with it because just like going to the gym, just like being healthy, just like everything that we kind of struggle to maintain as a habit, it's really important to make it easy for yourself and make it as accessible and, you know, something that you can keep up with rather than pressuring yourself to over deliver in a space that you may not already feel that confident in. I totally agree that if you're doing it in a format that isn't natural to you, it will shine through and it'll be blatantly obvious that it's not an authentic situation so yeah I completely agree with all of that advice Lisa have you got anything you would add to that 
Yeah, I think um, for me, I just wanted to address this like phrase comfort zone because we hear it loads. And, you know, Steph mentioned there, you know, if you're fearful of kind of the response, I think it's worth talking people through comfort zones and how that works because, like I say, that phrase gets thrown around loads. So this is it. So comfort zone means you've learned something, you've got good feedback and it's easy for you to do. When you move out of comfort zone, you then move into fear zone. And so the fear zone is when we are trying something new and we need to be prepared to fail. And that's the issue. So people are not prepared to fail. They don't feel safe there because they're scared, like Steph said, of other people's opinions of or being judged or I need to be credible and the expert here before I have an opinion on it. So all of that is happening in the fear zone. If you can do what Steph said, take some of that advice and just move yourself through that fear zone. I'll, I'll give some tips as well. What you then move into is learning zone. And the learning zone is where you're then able to test stuff out, gain your confidence and move on through the fear. Once you've gone through that fear zone you then and learning zone, you then get into growth. So there's so much to gain when you're moving out of your comfort zone. You've got all of the fear to lose, but you've got all of the growth to gain. So I think for me, it's it's understanding when you do step out of your comfort zone, there are stages you're going to go through, which is fear, learning and growth. I'd start even smaller with the steps, which is the self-talk. So half of what's going on in, in that fear zone is all in your head. It's a narrative that you're telling yourself. People are going to think this. Someone's going to say this or someone's going to comment that. None of that's real. It's not happened yet. So it's all just constructed in your thought process. So I'd start with steps such as getting comfortable with inner self-promotion. That could look like write down the qualities you possess that makes you have such a good friendship network. What would your friends say about you? Maybe make a list of the reasons your family love you. Maybe write down your skill set and strengths uh, and the reasons why you're good at your job. And then even write a speech about your life. And then as a step further, present that to yourself in the mirror. So getting really comfortable with talking to yourself in the right way is, the for me, the first step to then go external. And that might look like, like Steph said, make a list of these are my strengths. So I might have a conversation with my manager to say, listen, I want to keep using these strengths in my job. So where else can I stretch these strengths? So it, rather than it feel like such a, I'm really good at this and you're promoting it to the world, it's much smaller. And this, like Steph said, you know, really comfortable steps the way you feel authentic. It could be that you're sharing a team meeting, a project you're working on, update managers on a piece of work, but more importantly, how you contributed. And then, do you know what? Take to social media. Give people a tip on something you've done really well this week. So as long as you know, I I did that well. Not only are you giving yourself the kudos and anchoring recognition that you are brilliant, you're able to give someone a little tip and feel confident in that space. You don't have to be credible. Uh, You don't have to have a degree in something to say, I did this this week and it worked for me. It might work for you. So that's how you start to gain getting comfortable with that credibility. I love that. And I think that is really like back to a starting point of somebody that's never done this before. This is, you know, somebody that's wildly uncomfortable in this situation. I think there's some really nice little bite-sized things you can do there that you can take away that will make an impact. Let's talk specifically about things like pay rises and going about getting what you want out of your organisation. Obviously, self-promotion is one thing, but actually getting you know, a pay rise or a promotion off the back of it is something else. And obviously, that's usually the desired goal. How would you advise our listeners to go about these sort of slightly awkward conversations, let's be honest? Steph, I'll start with you. So first of all, I'd just like to encourage people to not see it as awkward. So I spoke to a young woman that I mentor recently and she was like, it's just annoying because my boss just doesn't get that women aren't as good at negotiating and that we find it harder. 
And I really, it, it literally, like, it made me feel really uncomfortable because I'm quite proud to say that I'm very good at negotiating and I don't mind having those conversations. And I think we have to be really mindful of the commentary about women not being good at negotiating or women not knowing how to ask their worth and those sorts of things actually then infiltrating into future generations. So I want to try and encourage people to, particularly women, if they do feel comfortable in negotiating, sharing their tips with other women and sort of normalizing it as a thing that doesn't need to be dreaded or doubted. So that would be my first thing just to raise awareness of. The second thing I'd say is you need to self-promote all year round so that when it gets to that money chat, it's a given that this this conversation is happening and your 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 boss isn't blindsided and you're not disappointed because it's quite clear that you've done everything that you've said you're going to do and you've been proving it top tip that I learned when I was working full-time was always get the job description of the job above you so that you know when you are performing at your level, but you're also performing at the next level up so that you can start to demonstrate and highlight them. Actually, it seems that I'm now moving into this stage and I just want to you know, either bring this to your attention or just sort of explain to you that as I move into this, I am looking for a higher salary. I would also say it's really important to try and understand the process with the business. So how regularly do they do pay rises and promotions? What's the format? Is it that you have to be in a role for two years before you can get a higher salary? I don't think that's always right, but I understand that some businesses do have certain thresholds or criteria that you have to meet before you can get those certain pay increases. So try and understand the different times of the year in which they are likely to happen, but also the the internal processes of the company you work for. And I think this is also important to ask when you're at interview stage, so you know what you're walking into. And then in terms of the, the actual things to say and prepare yourself when you are in the room, I think it's really important that you link your successes to business objectives and business KPIs. This sounds so obvious, but I cannot tell you how many times I've either heard people say it to me or I've spoken to senior leaders or key decision makers on how poorly employees have presented their successes. So they will go in and say, oh, I worked really hard on this project and the response was really good. Businesses don't care about that. Businesses care about, did you increase sales? Did you help to reduce costs? Did you open up new opportunities for the business? Did you improve productivity? So you need to get under the skin of, and you need to have those conversations at the start of the year or regularly throughout the year as to what the business objectives are. How is the business measuring success this year? And most importantly, how are they measuring you on success so that you can link your own business impact, the the impact that you are having, back to a success that the finance director, the managing director, and the CEO cares about. Just saying you did a good job is not going to get you through across the line and it's not going to get you those opportunities. And then one final thing I'd say is there's a really brilliant TED talk by Carla Harris on how to find the people to help you get ahead at work. And this is something I wish I'd have watched years ago because I think I overlooked the power of networks internally at companies in order for you to get those promotions and pay rises. So you can absolutely do your job at 110%, perform at the highest level, but sometimes you don't always get the rewards you deserve. And I know because I experienced that myself. And in this TED talk, Carlo Harris talks about the fact that 
networking and having strong relationships within the company can actually be a stronger currency in the workplace. And so I would just recommend that as well as doing the job, promoting all year round, making sure you know how to deliver the information, you also invest in relationships internally in the workplace so that when your name is mentioned in a meeting or in the pay review discussions, people know who you are and they know the impact you're making and they go, yes, they're great. We should definitely give them the promotion of the pay rise because sometimes visibility is as important as the work that you're doing. So the more people that know your work, see what you're doing, celebrate you and recognize you, the more likely they're going to say your name and advocate for you when you're not in the room as well. I completely agree with all of that. And I think to your point around internal processes and understanding sort of how those pay rises come about, does your boss actually have the power to give you that pay rise? I think that's one thing that I've come across in my career is I can have all these one-to-ones and appraisals, but actually their hands are tied and even their boss's hands are tied and often it goes right up the chain. So I think that point around making those internal relationships really strong, getting your name out there, people just knowing who you are and how good you are is so, so important. And also the point on commercial awareness as well, just understanding actually the contribution you're making to the bigger business rather than just to your team and to your day-to-day. I actually think it's having that bigger picture sort of lens across it as well. Lisa, obviously this is your this is your world because you've you've worked so much with teams and growing yeah. teams and pushing people for pay rises and people on the brink of brilliance. What would your advice in this space be? Uh, if you're going to take one thing out of this podcast today, take this. Getting what you need is in everyone's best interest, especially yours. So take that. So asking for what you need doesn't just help you, it helps everyone. It does have a ripple effect. So I think reframing how you're going into these conversations is really key. So if we take pay rise, so getting a pay rise you deserve, it reinforces your self-worth. So meaning you're more confident at work, you're more likely to step into your growth zone. It means the business are getting a more productive and more motivated you. Getting a pay rise means at home you're relieving some financial pressures. So it might be giving you a few more choices. Our personal and professional lives are intrinsically linked. So if you're doing well in one, you're doing well in the other. Um, So it's all about financial freedom and all about how that ties into your values and ultimately how it impacts your positivity at home. So it'll impact how you are and show up at work. A pay rise also will affect those around you at work and your colleagues. And that's because if you're feeling valued by the business, you're more likely to give up your time to help others and therefore give more back to the business. So I would just absolutely consider, first of all, why am I asking for what I need? I need this not just for me. So it's not selfish. It's not, you're not out of line. You're not being grabby or all of that things where I hear people say, oh, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And I know the business is struggling and all that type of self-talk that they do. Getting what you need is in everyone's best interest, especially yours. So take that. I also want to mention a little bit, I know you know I'm huge on self-talk. So for me, it's about using the right language with yourself. So I think in the question you said, uh, want, getting what you want. And I'd be like, well, hang on, is that the right word? Because want gives us the ability to go, well, it might not happen. So if I change that word to need, what do I actually need? It helps you tie that into what you value. And so if, if what you value in life is, I need financial freedom in order to travel, or I need to be financially stable because I want 10 kids and a huge family, whatever it is, whatever you value in life, 
when you know that and absolutely know that and know that you need that, it completely changes how you approach some of these conversations and gives you that absolute steadfast confidence in saying, I need this, here's why I need it. And you know that, so you've got the answers ready to move forward. The sort of visualisation territory, isn't it, of you visualise what you need, what your future looks like, and you lay out everything to make it happen. I'd also say to that, you know, um, so because we mentioned here like uh, pay rise and promotions, they are two different things. I think I have lots of conversations with people in work around what is it you're looking for? Are you looking for progression? Are you looking for a promotion? Or are you looking for a pay rise? Because they are three different things. If you're looking for progression, ask for it. Can I go and run a team meeting? Can I go and um, speak to this other agency? Can I go and try doing that while you're on holiday in order to get the progression that you need and grow? If it's, um, I want an actual promotion, are you willing to take that promotion without a pay rise? What is it you want? Do you want recognition? Do you just want the credibility? Do you want to learn more? Do you want the title? Yeah, the title. What What is it? And then if it's pay rise, then that might mean I have to make a decision to leave the company here. Do you, so doing what Steph just mentioned around absolutely understanding the perimeters you're working within and then going, what do I want within that? You can't fail. I love what Lisa's just said as well, because I think so often we're not willing to do the scary things we need to either have those conversations or go look elsewhere. So I like I was a serial job mover. I'm sure I'd be put under quiet quitting and all of the many phrases that have been bounced around these year, over the years. But I used to move every two years. And I remember making a joke with my boss at the end of being like, just to let you know, like, if after 18 months, this isn't working, I will go elsewhere. And these are the things that I want. And we had a relationship where I could be quite honest with him. And like, lo and behold, I remember we we had a discussion. It didn't work out. And I was like, okay, well, I'm moving on then. And I think people get so trapped in companies where they feel like they're a prisoner and they can't get out and they can't find new options. But I think so often it's about exactly what Lisa just said is like being very clear on what you need. And that's very different to what you want. And you have to be prepared to either take some risky moves or to step away from things. But on the flip side as well, not just talking about money, it might actually be things like flexible working. It might actually be things like you want to go to training conferences or you want to do different things like get clear on what you could ask for as well if it's not money and the title. Um, I recently did this with a client and I know we're talking a lot about inter- like working at companies, but they they asked me to do a project and I'll be honest, it was about a fifth of the budget I would have quoted for, but I really wanted the opportunity. So I just said, okay, well, here's, here's the long list of things you can offer me because you are a big company, you have a big media platform. And I want the following things as well as it, which then when we worked it out was probably valued at double what I would have charged them in the first place um, in terms of the sort of return on investment and the, the different opportunities. So I think being confident and comfortable and also aware of what else you can ask for beyond the money and beyond the title that would even make your life easier or would actually enhance your progression or would enable you to move on to better things. Yeah, absolutely. It's the bigger picture piece, isn't it? I mean, if you'd have said no to that, then you would have limited your opportunity moving forward. So 
I think you've just got to assess these things case by case. And I think what it comes down to is fears for people. So I think another thing on this subject is go and assess some of your fears and where your fears are coming from. So if you're sitting there thinking, okay, why have I not had a conversation with my manager yet about a pay rise or about this training course that I want to go on? Is it that you fear asking or is it that you fear the response? So once you understand, like, what am I actually fearful of? Then you can go and look back over your past and gone, which authoritarian figure in my life, be that parent, teacher, anyone, first boss, whoever, who's given me a response that I didn't like and that therefore has created a belief in me that any tough questions I ask, I'm always going to get this type of response. Because that fear, once you're able to identify it, you're able to go, well, is there any truth in that? Is it still true for me now or can I change how I feel about that and therefore you can start practicing asking other asking more simple questions to start getting responses to go oh okay I was okay I was comfortable with that I wasn't scared I was fine um in order to then practice moving up to these big tough questions and not being fearful anymore of the response or if it's actually asking the question you know address it that way so I think dig down on your fears where are they coming from but I think that actually leads me really nicely onto my next question, which is around, I think we've all probably experienced in our careers, different types of bosses. So you'll have the bosses that are cheerleaders of you. You'll have the bosses that are maybe see you as a bit of a threat. They can definitely be more of a hindrance, I would say, because there seems to be some sort of competition that comes mm. into the arena. So I think with sort of there being fewer women at the top it can sometimes feel that we're competing against our own gender mm -hmm. i have certainly felt like that in my career and i don't know about you two but I've, i know other people that have felt the same how do you sort of manage that balance between being hungry to succeed but also supporting those around you without creating sort of a, a competitive environment I'd first of all say, do you need to balance that? So I think at the start I said, you know, we're in a world that's not set up for women to thrive at the top. So I think it's hard enough for us to go into some of these roles and then sit in a room full of men and go, right, I have to watch what I say. What I really want to say is, come on, men, can we organise this? Can we get this done? Because you don't want to be seen as a bit too pushy or a bit too loud or a bit too brash or a bit too assertive. So we're constantly checking ourselves in these roles that we're in without having to then step outside of this role and go oh I don't want to upset anyone else that I'm going up against or we are oh, in this world of constantly checking ourselves and it's exhausting so what I would say is do we have to, you know it's fine be both be competitive go for it go for the job be absolutely figure out what you value what you want what you need in life and just get your blinkers on and go for it once I think if you've got that and established that then the support in others just comes because it it doesn't impact you because you start to get over your fears. The only reason another woman wouldn't support another woman, in my opinion, is because, like you said, threat. They're in a threat state. And in our threat states, we want to run away. We want to hide. We want to freeze. So it's a case of we're not going to stand there and say, oh, well done and cheerlead someone when we're in a threat state. We're in threat states because of our limiting beliefs that have been formed through li our lives. We develop our belief systems when we're children. Those beliefs carry through our lives. We constantly seek out data to further reinforce those beliefs. And if those beliefs aren't serving us, that's what makes us go, oh, someone's achieving more than me. I'm now in a threat state here. Even though I'm in a powerful position myself, I'm now fearful because of some of my limiting beliefs. So there's a lot to unpack there. It's a big subject. So I'm trying to like really <laughs> condense it. But yeah, it's a case for me of 
if you want to be competitive, be competitive. If you want to be supportive, be supportive. But no matter what's happening there, you got to know your own path, know your own way and where you're going. And once you get in touch with that, you'll go for it and then it'll naturally happen. You'll be supporting everyone along your way because they're not a threat to you anymore. Yeah, stay in your If own that lane. makes sense. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Completely agree. Steph, what would you add to that? I mean, I deliver a lot of talks and workshops to businesses and a lot of the work that I do is with the gender networks, in particular the women groups. And I'm always so amazed to see so much great support. And maybe it was when I was in the advertising industry, we didn't have that much, but... My advice to anyone is is go find those communities of women that do want to support you if for any reason you've not got that internally because, I mean, Bloom North's one of them, but there's so many amazing community groups now where we are all trying to work together on this. So I, I think my first point would just be find the people that do want to help you succeed because there are lots of people out there. And I think the point Lisa made as well, it is about this scarcity thing. So I was listening to a, a, a podcast about ego and ego often comes into it when we believe there's not enough room for everyone. And I think what's really the question to reflect on is, yes, there's the limiting beliefs aspect to it and the beliefs that we've grown, but also we can't ignore the external factors of in many companies, there are only one woman in the leadership teams or or no women in leadership teams. And and I personally, particularly in 2023, would be looking at the companies and their diversity split across the board and assessing, actually, if I am feeling like I'm competing with other women because there is only one opportunity for the woman, women at the, at the business, am I in the right company? And am I in the right space altogether? Because I don't feel like enough pressure and enough of a magnifying glass has put enough on the companies itself and the fact that actually we have structural and systemic issues on in this space so I would encourage the women that do feel like they might be competing with other women to redirect that energy into asking the businesses why there isn't enough female representation across the board yeah Really Couldn't point. agree more. Yeah. Really, really good point. I think we've pretty much run out of time. So I've got mm-hmm. one final question, which is from each of you, one tangible thing that you mm-hmm. want our listeners to take away from from this episode. So all around sort of embracing your brilliance, promoting yourself. And um, there's been loads and loads of great tips that you've both given. But yeah, mm-hmm. just one tangible thing you want our listeners to take away from this. What would it be? For me, do one thing that takes courage in the next few days. We've spoke a lot about fears today, limitations. So to make one of those little manageable actions, whether it's self-talk, writing a little list or doing a little post or talking to your manager, just do one thing that takes courage. And if you keep building on your courage, you'll be unstoppable. Love it. Steph? I love that point. And I think courage also comes before confidence is is a phrase that I heard that I think so often we don't talk enough about is that people think you're just confident in things. And actually, nine times out of 10, it's taken someone to be courageous to do that thing that everybody else is admiring of them. My tip would be, and it's one of being humble sort of slogans is learn to validate yourself instead of needing other people to validate you. And this is something I learned becoming a founder and being self-employed is that you no longer have a team of people around you to support you and say your name and to give you positive feedback. And so learning to 
self-congratulate is so important and I think if we only ever see our worth when other people tell us we've done a good job it's a really tricky situation to be in because we will only ever celebrate ourselves when we receive praise from others and I did a post on this on LinkedIn and Instagram recently so if you're not following F being humble please do make sure you are and connect to me on LinkedIn but I basically have made a criteria of questions that I reflect on after I've done something that don't depend on another person's opinion so if I've delivered a talk I will ask myself did I feel I delivered that well would 18 year old me be proud is would I repeat the same format again did I show the confidence that I want to evoke in other people? And I go through this list of questions that only I can answer. And at the end of it, if I feel like, you know, I've ticked a lot of the boxes, then I feel really proud of myself. And that is all done without anybody else needing to pat me on the back. So I would encourage you to make a list of questions that you can reflect on yourself that become a measuring criteria that you can walk away and say, I'm really proud I did that with or without the external validation. I love that. And actually we spoke about that last time Lisa was on the podcast. We spoke a lot about people pleasing and Mm. external validation and sort of the impact of social media on people constantly needing that sort of dopamine hit of people liking their pictures or people, you know, externally validating. So I think to have that internal validation is so, so important and what a great way to to wrap up. Um, Thank you both so much. I think we've covered loads there, loads of great takeaways for our listeners. So yeah, continue being cheerleaders for yourselves and for everyone else (laughs) around you. And thanks a lot for your time. Thank you. Thank you.